I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. And then you hear about people like, their toenails falling off like yeah, when you get really the into physical it. side effects are gruesome of distance running it's like the nipples thing that's what is that does real like that's what's the nipples thing oh your, your nipples, nipples like, chafe and then bleed. they start to bleed that hard yeah, yeah because you're it happens to men and women and it mostly happens to men because they're not wearing mm-hmm. bras at least like a woman if you have a sports bra that it might will, like yeah with another like padding but, but with guys it's like their shirts are like rubbing oh, against their nipple because no. the like, shirt is going like this through the whole race oh. which coincidentally is my favorite way to see men bleeding from their nipples <laughs> <laughs> I'm diking out you're diking out let's dike out together Hi, and welcome to Diking Out, a podcast with two lesbians who try to dike each other out. And <laughs> no, that wasn't even it. I misread it. Keep it in. Keep no, it in. Keep no, going. No, I'm starting again. <laughs> no. <laughs> you know, this is what happens when I try not to no. look at the shit the whole time. Yeah. I need to look at, I just need to read what I wrote. I need to learn. That oh, I'm, I love it. No, that, that's good. Take two. Oh, God, yeah. take two. That's a great intro. Thank you so take much. Take two. 
Uh. <laughs> Hi, and welcome to Diking Out, a podcast with two lesbians who try to out-dike each other in hopes of being crowned the ultimate dyke. <laughs> I'm Carolyn Bergier. And I'm Sarah York. And today we'll be diking out with comedian and proud mother of the New York Mets, Marisol Brady. I love my incompetent sons very much. <laughs> they always disappoint me, but that's great. I'm, I'm just a mom. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta love them. You have to love them no matter what. Uh, and we're gonna be diking out on the topic of mental illness. You can't see it, but I just did a shimmy. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a symptom of mental illness. Yeah. <laughs> it is. Uh, but before we get into the heavy stuff, mm-hmm. what, what's happening? What's going on? <sighs> what is going on? Um... My girlfriend and I are basically moving in together, which is kind Whoa, of fun. Nice. Yes. Congrats. Thanks. Um, I say basically. Is it the third date? No, yeah, yeah. We had, a, we had an amazing third date, so we're going to go ahead and move forward with living together. Um, no, we, I say basically because she's moving into my apartment, like with my roommate and I. So we're not. That still counts. Yeah. My girlfriend right? and I just did that. Yeah. Oh. It's, like, it's, so you're living together. Yeah. Like it's, yeah. yeah, you can say. Like, I can say we live together, even though it's not just us. In the yeah, apartment. if you have the we, same address, you're living together. Yeah. Um, we're doing it more, like, kind of as a practical step towards just getting our own place together, because just for now, it's going to work. Um, and it's going to save us a ton of money for the next few months. Yeah. And, yeah, it's pretty cool. It's not that much of a change, because she basically lives there anyway, but we were like, why don't we just talk to my roommate because I'm sure he'll be fine with her just moving in. Yeah. She like, might, you know, and he was ecstatic. Of course. He's like, yes, absolutely. I've been waiting for you guys to ask me this. That's fine <laughs> because now we're going to like save money together. So, um, but yeah, that it'll, it's sort of a temporary arrangement until we find our own place. But we wanted, we wanted to not be in a hurry finding an apartment because moving sucks enough. And especially if you have like, a time limit looming over your head. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, definitely, yeah. So we're going to take our time and find the perfect place. But yeah, that's kind of a kind of a fun development. Yeah, so, nice. yeah. But then I don't know. When you have a roommate, you can't you can't do stuff. Well, <laughs> you got to be yeah. quiet. Like, yeah, yeah. You have to be well, quiet, but but then also, I guess m- I, I I had roommates like my my whole life like mm-hmm. I've never um, other than the period of time after my divorce yeah. uh, where I lived alone <laughs> but other than that I never lived alone I always had a roommate yeah and one thing though that's nice when you're e- when you either just live with someone you're dating or you live alone is mm-hmm. not having to worry about being dressed appropriately oh, all like the time. walking to oh. and from the bathroom like naked or whatever yeah, yeah. oh yeah. i do that anyway it's fine i <laughs> so my roommate has a very lit his work schedule is like it's crazy he goes he goes to work at like 10 p.m and comes home at like 6 a.m so he's sleeping like basically you know, oh, that's perfect. Yeah, so, so you might as well live alone. Like, alone yeah, with your I kind of, yeah, yeah. I, I, I sort of feel like I do sometimes. So yeah. it's like, if it, it, it's fine. It works out. Last yeah. time I had a, a roommate that I wasn't sleeping with. Uh, <laughs> one time she, she didn't realize that I was home, and was walking into the kitchen to grab something. And she, Uh-oh. she had a towel, but was just kind of holding it or something. <laughs> like I, a cape. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like the way like a child dressed up as a superhero. That's, like, a, that's a great way to wear I, a towel. It would have been funnier if it, it was, was a cape. It would have been a chip like, clip. yeah. <laughs> no, I don't remember exactly because it was just like such a quick second. Mm-hmm. It was like I couldn't even register necessarily that she like 
that I was seeing her naked, but it was just like enough of a moment that you're like, ah! and yeah. then I was like, oh, I think I just saw my roommate naked. I didn't register any of it. Right. And like she, but she was like also terrified, not only because she thought she was home alone. Right. Ooh. So not only do I like Ugh. scare her that way, but she's also mostly naked. Realizing uh, you're not home alone at, at the worst moment is a real splash of cold water in the face where you're like, ah! like it's just yeah. so, it's Especially if you've been yeah. talking to yourself yeah. like, for the past 10 minutes. <laughs> like, fuck. Like, yeah. hopefully they think I'm on the phone, but like, right. oh, do you Do you talk to yourself? I absolutely do. Yes. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I, yeah, no, that is an ADHD thing because like, um, I was gonna say, I do that yeah. too, so I'm, that I'm thinking that's, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah uh, no, because like, I feel it's one of those things where like your your brain is moving at like maybe a thousand times the speed as it should, and it just kind of um, m- moves your body into like processing that thought out loud. Yeah, and that's so funny. Yeah, like it, because start- my wife does it too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But is one of the first people I met who really regularly talks to herself out loud, and the reason I bring it up was I, I was in this um, writing class and. Uh, for like writing pilots and sitcoms and stuff like that. And a lot of things that people do is they'll have the characters talk to themselves. And the teacher of this class said, you know, I don't buy it. People don't really talk to themselves this much. They, mm-hmm. you know, this isn't thing. Uh, and this is just like a lazy writing okay, thing that so people do. You met somebody who doesn't have any friends. Like. <laughs> <laughs> Like we get it, like. <laughs> but but who's never when, had roommates? Like, all right, like. Yeah. Well, yeah. W- w- when she said that, I was like, oh, I never really thought about that because I make my characters talk to themselves, not like have a whole conversation, right. not have that whole psych up in front of the mirror type thing. But mm-hmm. they might, you know. Oh no, not like talking few... like directly to your reflection in a mirror, but also just uh, maybe like bouncing around ideas in your head out loud, or just yeah, like, yeah, yeah, or reciting entire movies. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, like I've done that. I mean, yeah, yeah I'll, I'll sing when I'm by myself, but mm-hmm. I won't necessarily actually. When I was going through my divorce and uh, <laughs> I was in an interesting mental state, uh, I would talk to myself. A it's lot contagious to mm-hmm. oh. to kind of psych myself. Uh, I'd be like, "Nope, you're okay, Carolyn. You can do this." <laughs> and that was more of like me feeling like I was living in a weird sitcom, though. Yeah, I just I find myself just saying things like, not even always full, not really full thoughts. Like I'll just say something like. I'll just agree with myself out loud. Like, I'll just like, yeah, you should, you should like, encourage yourself. Like, yeah, yeah. Like I kind of, I like psych myself up for things out loud, not in a conscious way, but I'll just find myself like saying something or I'll say something in another room and my girlfriend's like, what? And I'm like, Oh then no, that was just to me. That was to myself. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> like, I just don't, I don't know. I, I do kind of do that. I find my brain working sometimes like, like kind of an overdrive in mm-hmm. a way that I just, I'm thinking about some some other task when I'm not even really completing the one that I'm doing, and then I, I, I don't know. I think it is kind of like a spinoff of the probably severe adult ADD that I have that I have not gotten diagnosed yet. But I know. <laughs> no, it's yeah, there. like the whole like what from the other room that was like my girlfriend and me. Like I would say like in the first month of our relationship, and then like eventually she got used to it. But like when it gets bad, it's when like you're in the middle of a conversation with somebody and, you know, as someone with ADHD, you're not just having a conversation with somebody, you're having a conversation with somebody and having a million thoughts at the same time. Mm -hmm. And 
you get stuck on one of those thoughts in the middle of talking to somebody and you like <laughs> say something out loud that has to do with that thought and yeah. not with the conversation like or i develop these elaborate like scenarios in my head that are not or that did not happen and haven't happened mm-hmm. but then all of a sudden i think that they did i'm diagnosing thought, you right now you definitely have it i <laughs> think so yeah like i've never i've never been to a doctor about it or anything i did and it turned out i didn't and i you, really, oh, really? I had- were you disappointed I was because <laughs> I'm somebody uh, – it was when I used to work at Georgia Tech University and one of the instructors came by and was like, you need to go get tested for ADD because looking at your desk and the, he's like, you're just like leaving things all over the place. It's a mess. And anybody I know who has a desk like this has ADD and mm-hmm. it's because you can't – focus on completing a task or we're mm-hmm. doing one thing at a time. So I was like, oh my God, maybe this is why I've been this way my whole life. This is why like I don't finish things that I start. And I went and they're like, no, you're perfectly fine. Cause I'm also like, but I also didn't struggle in school at all or <laughs> yeah. anything like that. And so when I have to concentrate, I can, yeah. I'm capable of it. Uh, and I guess the people that they like medicate are the people who, when they know that, uh, they need to focus and yeah. even like when they're trying to focus, they literally can't. No, yeah, when, cause can't. when you try that, that that's when, you know, it's when you try like consciously to focus, when you like say to yourself, not focus, like yeah. that's when the opposite happens. Yeah. You're trying to focus on focusing. Focusing on it, focusing is what I spend most of my time doing. Yeah. When I'm not Especially at work. Especially during this podcast. Like, yeah, yeah. Like I just, I, I have a, I don't know. It's really, really, really hard for me to sit down and like bang something out unless I'm under a deadline. Yeah. Then I, ha- then I do it only because I have to do it. But and I then you're in hyperfocus, which yeah. is another aspect of ADHD. Yeah. Oh, yeah. wow. Okay. Yeah. That's good. I'm glad that. Oh, I'm you're glad discovering that, like, something about all, yourself. Yeah. Cause I really, I've always thought like, oh no, I'm just, uh, I'm just really aloof or whatever. Um, but I've also taken Adderall before and mm. never, never my own. Of course, it's like I acquire it from other places and yeah. then I can really sit down and get shit done. Like that's when I'm at my like peak productivity. I can sit down and read the same thing or I can sit down and just like, you know, write that six page sketch or whatever in one sitting because all of a sudden it feels like, okay, now I really want to laser in on something and I can't laser when I'm not, but I don't want to do, I don't want to, that's the hard part about approaching a doctor for me. And the thing that's keeping me from doing it is that I don't know how to tell a doctor that this is what I experience without, I fear that they're going to think that I'm pill seeking, that I'm trying to get out. No, yeah, that's real. I know, uh, I have friends who, uh, have been diagnosed with other mental illnesses or, uh, even with uh, addictions that are unrelated to it, or in most, uh, I would say in a lot of instances it is related to it, but like because of that, because they suffer from like what, you know, whether it's like alcohol addiction or whatever, like mm-hmm. doctors won't write them a script because they're afraid that like, you know, it's, I would say it's pretty unfounded, especially if like a person has ADHD, but like, you know, like they won't write them a script because they're afraid mm-hmm. they'll get addicted. And yeah, or they're, I mean, I know. I mean, the people that I get Adderall from are the ones that have a prescription and only have it. They don't even take it themselves, but they have a prescription and then they sell it, which is obviously yeah. illegal. But it's like, I just feel like any doctor I go to and explain my what explain my experience is going to be like, oh, you just want, you're just here for that prescription. You which know? fucking like for, sucks if like you're somebody who's 
uninsured yeah. and can, like was barely able to, to like scrape together enough money to like see a doctor in the first place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then for a doctor to tell you, sorry, I'm not going to do this because I, because I think you're just here because you want this drug yeah. that if that's it is, people are abusing. Yeah. If it is a silver lining, even though I tested negative, they still prescribed me something really? in oh. case I wanted to take it. And I, and I didn't because yeah. I'm like, if I don't need it, I'm not going to take it. Uh, I will say I've, I want to take Adderall so bad. I never have. And it's because. It'll change your life. It the is. first time I ever took Adderall, I was at the Halloween dog parade. And my Snapchat story was like three hours oh of dogs. <laughs> what an amazing place it was to the, take Adderall. It was, oh, my God. Yeah. I, I, think, I think I would definitely have a problem with it because for nothing gets me higher than being productive. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. It's like pretty, square, but it's like, pretty amazing. Yeah. If I found something that that mm-hmm. let me be a lot more focused and I like so much of my anxiety comes from this feeling like I'm not doing enough mm-hmm. and it if that could remedy it I like oh I would I would have <laughs> I would have a problem yeah the only thing that I can think of that's like kind of a, a bad part of that is that uh like the the difference in milligrams is pretty obvious. Like yeah, I took, like one time I fir- took what, a twenty milligram, and I thought I was going to have a heart. Att- I was like, I'm oh, gonna yeah, die. Yeah, yeah. Like this is, I could hear my heartbeat, and it was yeah. like too much. No, yeah, ten, the first ten one I, is a good number. Yeah, for the, me, fir- the first time I uh, I took one, um, the person I got it from had a prescription for thirty milligram pills, and Ooh. so I so I split it. Oh, okay, good. Yeah, no, yeah. I split it <laughs> the first time, but even still, I was like, wow, like if I have a heart attack right now, at least I saw these dogs. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I know I did. I, I took an extended release in college once that was like it had to have been in hindsight, like 25 milligrams or something, because I was up for, I think, 48 hours. I couldn't just couldn't stop. You also moving. can't eat. The only thing no, you forget to do on Adderall is eat. Yeah. And that's another reason why that's another kind of thing that doctors are like skittish about prescribing people for it because people are using it as a party drug and as an appetite suppressant for it, like it's diet, an amphetamine. diet purposes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's like it's there's not a whole lot of difference between mm-hmm. the effects for me at least of cocaine and Adderall. Yeah. It's just that coke is a much quicker it's a it's a, a firecracker and not like a slow burning fire as as you I'm know. So as afraid Adderall to try coke. Like I've eh, never had it's it. overrated. Yeah. I've done it a couple of, and it's just like for the exact same reason. Like I'm afraid I'll yeah. have a heart attack. Yeah. yeah. And, like heart disease runs in my family. So I mean, for me, I'm afraid I would like it too much, and that's yeah, why I never well, tried. It's pretty fun. Um, but it's expensive and it's like I I tried cocaine already have already being very familiar with the effects of Adderall and I was like this is like no different than Adderall it's just a shorter time period and it's really? way illegal so how long is it like a couple uh, hours or like no it's shorter than that it's like it lasts for like a half an hour that's it? I took a very small amount I've the two the two times I've done cocaine I've done like a like a very not a line it was like a small little like key bump like on it. your finger like, yeah like okay. on my finger like not I'm sure had I taken more that maybe the effects would last longer but that's why people who do coke spend so much money because they need like the effects of it are it's kind of a, a quick it's a quick burst and it's over oh, so yeah. that's why when you see people who are going to the bathroom back and forth at bars and are like shaking and like doing all the and are really intense and loud and then all of a sudden they're like they came they, down they yeah they're coming down from it is really bad for for people who do it in in larger quantities but i did such a small amount that it wasn't even like i mean for people who regularly use cocaine, they'd probably look at the amount that I did and be like, did you even feel anything from that? Because it's nothing. Mm. Um, but it's it's not it, – I wouldn't recommend it overall. I think it's just kind of 
Okay. I think it's stupid. And yeah, since you're saying it's like identical it's to Adderall. It's basically like, Adderall. Yeah. There's, and that's good. why that, but that's the reason that Adderall kind of scared me a little bit it's too. So I was like, yeah. this is a lot like cocaine. Like it's, I think physiologically it's probably very similar to that. It's like cocaine that like makes you write things. Yeah, exactly. I, like, I wish I remember the name of the drug that the doctor prescribed me that I didn't end up taking and I, but I kept it on hand like, just in mm-hmm. case I changed my mind. Concerta? <sighs> I, no, I I want to say it began with an S maybe, and it was kind of like um, people also take it as an antidepressant, hmm. or or it, it it's used to treat something else. Maybe Selexa? not just. No, I think now I'm making things up. I don't know. Well, Selexa sounds. Oh, I don't. Is know. Is that a sleep one? I don't I think, know. I don't know. Oh, I'm thinking of Lunesta. 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 Uh, I, yeah, it was so many years ago. But then um, a friend of mine. Her sister was on it, and she killed herself. And oh. one of the one of the side effects of it was suicidal thoughts and yeah. and things like that. And um, I don't know. We don't talk about it too much because it yeah. was like obviously a very upsetting thing. But um, uh, a mutual friend we had told me about the drug she was on, and they are suspicious that maybe that had contributed to mm-hmm. it because it kind of took everyone by surprise that Oof. that she did that. So I like went to my closet and I'm like, oh, this is going yeah. in the garbage. Yeah. Oh, man. I'm like, yeah, oh, that's that real. Medication sounds familiar. And yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I kind of felt in taking Adderall sometimes that I'm like, maybe it's good that I don't have a prescription to this. Although if I had a prescription to like a low grade extended release one, I think that would probably help. That's that in the past, that's like what's helped me sit down and write something. There's like that magic number. Yeah, that like is like five, you just like feel your executive function come come yeah, back. Yeah, exactly. Like I feel like I'm like wow, I'm really dialed in right now. Like, is this what like is this how I'm supposed to feel? Is exactly. This how you're supposed to oh my god, like, to approach tasks so as like, a fucking adult. Yeah, like it, so the way ADHD manifests itself is uh, different in quote unquote boys and men than mm-hmm. it is in quote unquote uh, girls and women because with boys, um, it. It's really apparent, like, there's the stereotype of, like, the hyperactive little white boy running yeah. around the classroom. Whereas with girls, uh, it's uh, it's way more uh, way more internal. Uh-huh. And there's a lot of... They say, like, the word they use a lot is daydreaming. But, like, I feel like daydreaming um, implies, them, like, a lot of idle thoughts. But, like, with me, it was never idle thoughts. Like, oh, like, I wonder, like, what's for dinner tonight? It's always, like... A million thoughts at once. Or and like, like creating a whole story in my head. Yeah, or like having seven songs stuck in your head. Yeah, or, yeah. Um, yeah, and like, but it's, it's, it's kind of dormant when you're, when you're younger, if, you know, you're a quote-unquote girl or woman. But mm-hmm. um, after puberty, that's when it starts kicking in and that's when you start feeling yourself losing track of things or like not being able to, you know, perform in school or mm-hmm. like um, talking to yourself like excessively yeah. like – or even like sh- uh, short-term memory loss is also a thing, like mm-hmm. um, like a, which you know it's you notice when you start like losing like losing your wallet the third yeah. time that week. Yeah, which I know from experience. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, I've always yeah. Uh, yeah, like I remember what, being a kid and having like never being a. I was always kind of the class clown, but never in like a physical like my. I wasn't a physical comedian when I was when I was 11 <laughs> years old, but um, I I would also just like sit and kind of the things that I did dial into were like 
drawing and doodling and things like that. Mm-hmm. And then I remember in my head, there was always a long story that I was working on, like yeah. a mental story that I never actually put on paper, but it would last for like a few weeks. I yeah. would spend time on the same story and then I would go to a different story after that and I would craft some whole other story and I was doing that while, that. while yeah, not paying attention to the teacher. Yeah, yeah that's, you that, know. there's a whole stereotype of like people with ADHD being extremely creative mm-hmm. and like also hyper-focusing on like something that's low priority such as, uh, you know, like a story in your head or uh-huh. like, or doodling, which actually is also, um, that's like a version of stimming. Like, have you heard of that? Uh-uh. No, what's that? So, like, stimming is, like, when uh, someone with uh, ADHD or anxiety or, like, or one of those conditions um, do, uh, does something repeatedly, like, uh, tapping their foot or, like, mm-hmm. curling the pages on a book or, like, that's why they invented f- uh, fidget spinners. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. Okay. Okay. Which is someone with ADHD. I'm like, why would I want this? I, I know I'm going to lose it. Like, it's right. so <laughs> tiny. Like, <laughs> this is not going to yeah. help me more than once, but... Um, yeah, like, so you hold it in your hand and you play with the little propellers or whatever Mm -hmm. they are. And like, that helps you focus because your, your hands are occupied. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. For me, like, I guess my stim is, uh, like bouncing my leg a lot or like curling the pages of a book with my nails. Mm -hmm. Mine used to be knitting. How gay is that? (laughs) (laughs) That is pretty gay. Uh, It's amazing. But with a productive output, at least your output is cool. Or is is it a bunch of unfinished, like, knitting projects? That's what mine would be. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'd have so many half socks. (laughs) You can't because... They're just ankles. everywhere. (laughs) For a lot of knitting, you need to be able to to count and kind of pay attention to what you're doing. Mm -hmm. Unless you're just doing a very straightforward scarf. Mm -hmm. So when I learned how to knit... In high school, I really wanted to, you know, pump out (laughs) these scarves. So I brought it to class, and that was when I discovered I would just kind of knit under my desk and be like, I'm paying way more attention now than I've ever paid attention before when I'm just mindlessly knitting. That's stimming, yeah. Yeah. I never knew that. I never knew there was like a term for it. Maybe I do have ADD, but I'm just really good at tests. Yeah. Maybe well, no, because like it, or it's you just thing. had one doctor who just didn't think you did. Like no, that was medicine what, is practice. You no, know? yeah, Everyone's, that's when my um the neuropsych. Uh, forgot if he was a neuropsych or a neuropsych neuropsychiatrist or a neuropsychologist. But either way, he uh, he diagnosed me with ADHD in 2014, and he you know ADHD is a condition that's comorbid with a lot of con- other conditions like depression and anxiety, etc. And he tried to tell me that my real issue was the depression and not, and not the ADHD, mm-hmm. which is why I think he wouldn't write me a script. But, like, I was like, the depression, like, fucks me up maybe, like, two or three times a year, like, mm-hmm. for maybe one to two weeks at a time. Like, ADHD fucks me up every single day. Every yeah. waking second. Yeah, It does. <laughs> yeah. And, like, I tried to tell him that. But, you know, like, doctors don't listen to women. And a lot of, yeah, a lot of times they don't. Yeah. yeah. You know, they'll refuse to listen to what you describe as you know your symptoms and like you know they already have their own agenda or whatever which I really wish I had got one of those like those pill pushers that you got (laughs) just so I could get what I needed because like yeah when I was on Adderall yeah like I maybe like went a little overboard with the dog journalism but like I (laughs) I you know I was I was doing stuff I Mm -hmm. like Right now, you can't even, like, you can't even walk into my room. There's, like, there's shit everywhere. Yeah. Like, but the last time I was on Adderall, which was, like, maybe, like, two months ago, like, that was, like, 
the third time I cleaned that year. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I find myself doing, well, the focus on what you said about low priority tasks was like, or low focusing on a low priority thing kind of struck a chord because those are the things that I find myself, especially when I'm under a deadline, I find myself really able to focus on the dumbest thing, but mm-hmm. I will thoroughly research the dumbest. Like I will fall into someone's IMDb wormhole or like exactly oh my god like the the wikipedia hole when you have a deadline is like a thing that i find myself in you can tell if i have a deadline by my internet searches because i know everything there is to know about like i don't even know some obscure actor or something Mm -hmm. like i'll just dive in like i learned all about uh like river phoenix and about all of his his whole family and then i read about like all this other stuff related to him and his siblings and an hour and a half later, I'm like, oh, my God, I still haven't done anything, but I've laser what focused on something that doesn't matter. That's ne- what it is. Like, I do that all the time. Next time, if you need something to Wikipedia, uh, please Wikipedia fan death. Because- fan, death? fan death. That's a Wikipedia classic. I, what is that? Yeah. F- fan death and toilet oh, paper orient- orientation are my favorite Wikipedia articles. Toilet paper orientation, it is a long That's ass a debate. That's a Wikipedia yeah? article All right. about which way you should put the Wait, which paper one is on more hygienic? Which one is more hygienic? Did it say? I never uh, think about I don't which remember. Way I put it was a while ago. In. Oh, I always do it with the So the paper at the front? The paper's at the front of it, not hanging from the back. Because if it hangs from the back, that can cause the roll to like roll more where it can touch the floor, I think. Oh, and then, or, or if you like, yeah. yeah, it's easier to like pull too hard. And so this is something roll. I would spend like an afternoon. Yeah. yeah. Sounds like that. If I had something due the next day for like and anything. Fan death. <laughs> fan death is a um, very pervasive <laughs> belief in, um, uh, I think it might've started in Korea and I don't know if it's other uh-huh. Asian countries that uh, sleeping with a fan over your face can kill you. Oh, I've heard of that. That's not. You it's probably not that heard widespread. From me. That's like a yeah. It's like <laughs> I feel like it's a myth that it's huge, but like it's oh. it's not like no. Every, like it just, so it's a superstition. Like a huge thing. All the Koreans so. that I've asked about it. So I I asked my uh, friend about it, and she said when she goes see to see her family in Korea, um, they they don't have fans. Um, oh, that would drive in, me nuts. In their rooms. They have to have a fan. Yeah, on when you they can't. Sleep. They don't. They don't have ceiling fans, and there's so they, some, just have, they just have like AC, like just just AC, um, or windows. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> I think just open windows. I, I I don't know, but they yeah they don't have ceiling fans. Shit. And then uh, when I was um, in a PhD program, briefly, one of the other girls, she was from Korea, and I brought up fan death because it's so fascinating to me that that people actually believe this. And she was like, yeah. Like it's a real thing. She's like, yeah, that, that well, now I'm you're not supposed to, you're not supposed to sleep with fans. I'm like, wait, you, you really think that could kill you? She's like, yeah. <laughs> She's like, are, are you insane? You would sleep with a fan. I'm like, yeah, all, all the apartments here in Atlanta yeah. have ceiling fans. And she was, <laughs> I want like a jet engine would, blowing cold air on me when I'm asleep. Her mind was blown, but some people think that it was actually, uh, that the government kind of doesn't uh, do anything to combat that claim because mm-hmm. do they have it out for somebody in the fan industry? Like, did someone like <laughs> well, big fan? Over? It was yeah. something like <laughs> big fan. <laughs> I don't 
know if it was just like preserving really influential politically preserving electricity <laughs> in the to, big like, fun from Heather's font <laughs> like yeah. a shirt that says big Oh, that's great. I don't know. I got off topic with that. Let's go Let's go back and really dive into this topic for today uh, of mental illness and um, specifically, I think, how it affects LGBTQ mm-hmm. populations. So uh, I have some stats in front yeah. of me that I'm going to start hey. this off with. So um, this is from the National Alliance on Mental Illness. Wow, this is gay. This is a gay podcast. (laughs) Confession: I had a lisp as a child, and sometimes it comes back. That's adorable. And I feel like it mostly comes back in this podcast, (laughs) or occasionally when I'm on stage doing stand-up. I think it's microphones. That's the worst. Yeah, it is microphones. It's any type of like pressure to speak, and I revert back to my childhood speech impediment. (laughs) It's fun. It's a good time. (laughs) I recommend it. The National Alliance on Mental Illness. LGBTQ individuals are almost three times more likely than others to experience mental health conditions such as major depression or generalized anxiety disorder. This fear of coming out and being discriminated against for sexual orientation and gender identities can lead to depression, post-traumatic stress disorder, thoughts of suicide, and substance abuse. For LGBTQ people aged 10 to 24, suicide is one of the leading causes of death. Um, I think I read... That it actually is the the lead cause of death for um, LGBTQ teenagers. Um, youth are four times more likely mm-hmm. um, to commit suicide. Yeah, to commit yeah. suicide. Uh, experience suicidal thoughts or engage in self harm than straight people. Between thirty eight and sixty five percent of transgender individuals experience suicidal ideation. I mean, I think it's I've I've the stat of of LGBT teens being more likely, like four times more likely to commit suicide is the one that I see most often like circulated. Well, it's enough of a problem that yeah. it gets better. Had to be a whole it had to had to be campaign. invented. <laughs> yeah. Which yeah. which still came from like a place of like, you know, lack of like a realistic perspective because for so many kids, like it doesn't get better. Like as mm-hmm. an yeah. adult, like it doesn't get better like if if you're trans. Like right. because like, you know, when you're when you're an adult, like and you're trying to find a job, like you know, like there's the problems change. They're different as you, yeah, I think and they the affect your livelihood. Of, yeah. 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 And that's yeah. an interesting point about, uh, separating out trans because a lot of the stats that I was finding when I was Googling this, what they would say, uh, LGB and leave the T out because the trans stats are so much mm-hmm. higher really are. for all these things yeah. that it would skew, like, skew the data. Yeah. Like even among our community, like, like, trans people like even within mm-hmm. like the larger lgbtq community community still face that kind of discrimination and you know when you're in a space where like theoretically you're supposed to be treated better like that's mm-hmm. it almost hurts worse like mm-hmm. and that you know like that's that definitely ob- obviously doesn't contribute to your mental well-being so like mm-hmm. you know especially like in the workplace when like say like a trans person sees online that this is like oh a really fun and inclusive place to work and then they get there and they're being like dead named or misgendered like right at the yeah. time or like have to deal with you know that kind of bullshit on their on their paperwork or like yeah. meeting Just clients little, yeah exactly yeah. or like if you're working especially if you're like working in some kind of in some kind of service industry oh yeah yeah it's really yeah it's the service industry would be a tough one because it's not like you're even in, in like a corporate setting, I guess 
it's, I mean, you're probably, you're most likely only dealing with the people that you work with, like with that company all day. But then in the service industry, you are dealing with whoever walks in the door, like yeah. you're the general yeah. public. And it's, it's, it can be a toss up of how people perceive or how they treat. And I've, I mean, I've seen it a little bit where I work, not so much where I work, I guess I should say, but like in the service industry in general over the years, I've seen trans people be treated very, very differently by the customers and by the guests than, than anyone else. And it's just like, it sucks. You don't realize how often. And that affects your tips. Yeah, like, it does. Like it affects your you actual livelihood. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, the service industry in in its own has a lot of has a lot of problems. It is it's pretty diverse, but it's like not that diverse if you really if you really look at it. It's very white. It's very like in terms of who's on top. In ter- exactly in terms of the people that are the higher earners of the front of house staff. Um, it's very white in the back of house as well. And as far as like your your prestige positions, like chefs, mm-hmm. um, the world, the culinary world in general is dominated entirely by white men. But that's that's a topic that people within the industry will argue until they're blue in the face about if they're white men. Um, and some women even will argue that it's not true, but it's like you're the way people gender you in the way that like in the end, the, the everything that spins off of gender identity and orientation is something that it's hard for cisgender people like me to, to, to realize, but it mm-hmm. is such a thing. And it's no wonder that that constant like pressure and that constant, you know, all that shit just kind of culminates into being obviously more susceptible to mental illness or. Yeah. And you spend so much mental energy, like being hyper aware of your surroundings Mm -hmm. and how you're perceived. Like, am I going to be read as the gender that I identify as, you know, am I, am I safe around this person? Mm -hmm. Am I like, when I leave work, am I going to be okay getting home? You know, things like that. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen idiots argue (laughs) (laughs) that, uh, a lot of people who wrongly think that being trans is a mental illness yeah. in and of itself. And then they'll argue that, you know, they're more concerned for this group of people and more concerned about their well-being because they suffer from so much more depression and higher rates of suicide. And it's like, no, no, no. They suffer from that because, because there are people telling them that right. they're mentally ill or that, you know, that they're, they're evil or like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That they're evil or that they face so much discrimination. But I mean, because, because you can see that, uh, if you kind of track the the stats mm-hmm. on mental illness in this community and as gay rights have progressed, you know, it's, uh, it's a lot easier. Not, mm-hmm. I mean, not a lot. That that's an exaggeration. Well, but 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 it is easier to come out today. You know, you are able to see um, positive representations mm-hmm. of yourself in the, it the depend- media. There are more out. It depends. Um, celebrities. Where, like, yeah, like it. It it, de- it depends also. Like if you know if if you're just like if you're cis white gay and like a man that's. You know, that's obviously, like, more likely to be true, but, like, yeah. if, you know, you're yeah. not, like, if you're well, not all those things, like, especially if you're trans, like, it's yeah, it's not much better. Still like, yeah, hard. no, no, yeah. for for trans, yeah. It, and depending on the industry that you work in, it's one thing to work in, like, fashion or in, you know, some creative world in which you're surrounded by, like, you know, presumably liberal people. Yeah. 
or people who... Or if you're a coal miner. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, or if you're a doctor, or if you're, like, you know, a teacher or something. Like, I can't imagine oh, yeah. coming out as oh. transgender in, in a in a in an industry that like has so little tolerance for diversity in the first, like in any way, really. You can shop from anywhere doing pretty much anything. You might shop while working, eating, or even listening to this podcast. And however you shop, we all know and love the thrill of the hunt. But do you also know how to get the thrill of the best deals? Because Rakuten shoppers do. With Rakuten, they get the deals they love with the most savings and cash back. And you can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Sephora, Nike, and even Expedia if you're looking to get some travel in. And getting cash back doesn't mean you have to miss out on sales because those can just be stacked right on top. It's easy to use and based on a simple idea. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers and Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back through PayPal or check. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. My my father was a professor, and there was a, another professor that was up for tenure, and he was gay, and uh, a bunch of the other professors didn't want to give him tenure, um. and my dad was like, I know it's just because he's gay. Like, there's no mm-hmm. other reason. And my dad. Uh, Is that like here in France? Uh, it was actually in Montreal. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how the the climate is in in France. There, it's more like French homophobia is like weird. Yeah, fr- French homophobia is definitely a thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, based solely on my French grandma being more homophobic <laughs> than my no. Uh, it it's kind of like almost like a lot of things in France. It's like you just don't talk about it. It's like the weird open secret. And Hmm. well, actually I will say, um, my, my cousin is a lesbian, my, one of my French cousins and her family who are so liberal on everything. Like for a long time, they would tell me they never wanted to come to America because of our policy on guns. Mm -hmm. And they're just like so liberal, so liberal. And then when she came out and said that she had a girlfriend, they were not okay with it. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And they were very unaccepting of it. But then when they came to visit me, when I was living with my ex-wife, they were so nice to her. They got her gifts. They, you know, were Weird. all about us. They sent me uh, an email on my wedding day saying, you know, congratulations and all this stuff. And my cousin was with us when they came to visit. And whenever she mentioned her uh, current partner, they almost it's that shitty like nimby ho- nimby homophobia mm-hmm. where like yeah like i've i've seen this with like people who describe their parents as being like yeah like li- liberal which mm-hmm. is like you I know mean, that term itself is <laughs> <the term laughs> yeah like yeah. yeah but like 
Yeah, and like once their kid comes out, like all of a sudden, like all where did that acceptance like, well, go? Because it hits home. Yeah. yeah, yeah, like it's fake. It's like yeah, it's yeah, not and real. It, like yeah, and like yeah, like it, it's it's really no that would hurt more. I think. Oh like, yeah. So like growing up, like my parents were like always like very vocally homophobic. So like when like when I came out and like you know it didn't go well, like I wasn't surprised. Right. At least like, you're not shocked yeah. by it. <laughs> <laughs> At least they wore it on their sleeve long enough to prepare you for that, I guess. But, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And I, I, it's 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 really no, it's it's not very hard at all to see how mental illness can be so like so pervasive within among young people who don't believe it's going to get better, and just like high school and junior high and and being an adolescent is so fucking hard anyway. Yeah, like to add on top of that the feeling different than everyone else because when you're a kid all you want to all you kind of want to do is just assimilate to everyone else for the most part like the worst thing you could be when you're a kid is different yeah so for these poor kids who are different and they have no one around them like imagine the effects that has on the rest of your life i I tried to explain sexuality before as like kind of like being left or right-handed you have no control over it but if you or ambidextrous or ambidextrous yeah (laughs) but if you don't do that thing if you work against it it manifests itself like so many other things go wrong. It's like throwing a a wrench into a machine that like breaks down slowly all around you. Like if you were forced to use one hand over the other, I've actually Mm -hmm. met someone who was forced to write with her right hand as a kid. And and it completely, she had all these problems in school and she learned disability and all these things that, Mm -hmm. that always drew came back to that. Yeah, and like my aunt, uh, my dad's one of ten children, and my one aunt was the only left lefty out of all the ten kids. Mm-hmm. And you know, like they all grew up uh, going to Catholic elementary school, and like the nuns would like give her such shit about being mm-hmm. a lefty. Like they would tell her like she was like evil and all this shit. Yeah. Like that she was like more prone to sin because she wrote with her left hand. And they kept yeah. yeah. <laughs> I grew up see like I also went to Catholic elementary school, but it was like during like. I want to call it like the post-Vatican II nun echo where like there were no more nuns anymore, but except like the principal and the vice principal and they were still really bitter that they couldn't like take their frustration out on us physically. Yeah. So it was like, slap it was you an and, yeah. 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 They would just like scream at you. Like, yeah. They're like, Oh, I can't hit you, but like, you're going to hear it. Like, yeah. Oh man, that's rough. Yeah. That's like, crazy. Mm-hmm. I, I think there, there are kind of maybe two uh, places where, where you can struggle that can contribute to to mental illness when you're an LGBT uh, youth. One is that non-acceptance and um, everything that comes with that and the bigotry you face. And, um, and then, like we mentioned, it, it really depends on the community that you're in, um, different um, different cultures, different religions, obviously mm-hmm. can be a huge different from if you're a, a cis white person who's coming out. Um, and, and then another is that kind of the other thing being is also, closeted. Oh, sorry. Oh, uh, well, I, no, I was going to add also like different abilities too because I've seen mm-hmm. a lot of stories of like people with uh, any you know any kind of like physical or like mental disability who mm-hmm. like growing up like when they realized that they were LGBTQ like. Because no one thought of them, like, as a fully functional person. They thought, like, oh, like, you must not be, like, anything other than straight. Like, mm-hmm. this has something to do with your disability. And, like, yeah. that fucks you up, too. Yeah. Like, yeah. 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 That's interesting. Uh, I, I, I do think being closeted can uh, lead to all sorts of... <laughs> yes. 
So much stress. The closet is an absolute, like, there's just nothing good that can possibly come out of staying in it. It's just uh, other so... than staying alive, depending on what country well, yeah. you live I mean, in. Tr- it, it, as a defense <laughs> mechanism, obviously it's necessary, but like mentally over just over the years, I mean, look at, uh, I don't know. It just, it's, it's a, it was a, I remember that. And that was a really tough place to be in. It was, it's like this bizarre form of self-loathing that I've never experienced since, since being fully out. And it's like, it's not self-loathing and that you hate yourself, but you're just, you're just not, you just can't be happy. Like there's just no yeah. way yeah. to like fully. Well, I have to perform and, and lie all yeah, the time it's, basically. It's performative. Yeah. And, and, ugh, the performative, like performative heterosexuality and performative feminine femininity were very, very difficult for me. Mm-hmm. And that mm. was like, you don't really realize how, you don't realize how shitty it is until you come out of it and, and coming out of that, was a process that took like really fully like 10 years. I mean, I'm I've only in the last really since moving to New York been fully completely comfortably out mm-hmm. in ways that are like, you know, with my aesthetic and down to everything. I don't know. It was, yeah. it was tough. And like, even when you're out, like there's so much that you have to unlearn and so many new muscles that you mm-hmm. learn to flex. Like I, like, Oh, I no longer have to, to tell this particular lie, like, or I no, mm-hmm. no longer have to like, leave work at 5 p.m. and not hang out with coworkers or whatever. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know why I'm saying that. I've never been in a workplace where I've been out, but like, yeah, uh, but I guess that's what it would feel like. Like, um, yeah, I remember but, uh, being in, in like a corporate setting and not being out and it was just like kind of, it was weird. It was like this, you'll never get, you never kind of break that fourth wall and like actually get to know people because you're afraid of them getting to know you and like, Mm-hmm. And then you Ugh. get weird when they ask you questions, and then you're just this weird person that doesn't yeah. like work well with people. Yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah. And it's like, like no, you- they're asking me all these personal questions. They're asking me about my boyfriends and everything, yeah. and then yeah. trying to set me up with people. And yeah, that's why I'm being dodgy. Not yeah, I'm a bad employee. <laughs> like, what do you like to do? Uh, yeah, like, I know that question. Like, uh, yeah. <laughs> <Hey>. <laughs> yeah. It was a bummer. That's how, uh, that's how I respond now that I'm out at work. <laughs> what do you like to do? Catch vaginas. <laughs> well, you know, one thing when um, thinking about LGBTQ and, and mental illness, it made me think of uh, what happened at Georgia Tech maybe a month and a half ago where there was a non-binary student named Scout who uh, basically wanted suicide by cops and got it. Oh, uh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Did so she that, want that? Uh, oh, I thought like she just had like a... An encounter with the cops. So, I'm sorry, I don't know this person's pronouns, but um, oh yeah, I don't, I I think it was a, a they, they them. They were mm-hmm. pronouns, they but were they. Uh, apparently, so the like afterwards, I I had learned that they had written three suicide notes mm-hmm. oh. that they found in Scout Storm, but. Either way, we all know by this point that police are very, very poorly equipped to deal with mental illness yeah. uh, across the board, but especially when dealing with people who are either... Uh, people who like black L- people. Well, yeah, yeah. With, with people of color and uh, LGBTQ people. Yeah. And anyone that's not someone that they feel comfortable with, let's say. Yeah, because yeah, they're um, f- fucking threatened by everything. Pretty sure like, yeah. people that they do feel comfortable with, but yeah. Yeah. So, like so this pigs. person was uh, wielding a knife, and actually, or, or so someone else called the the cops, and when the 
cops got there and mm-hmm. they saw the knife and Scout was there and there's a video of them yelling, you know, kill me, shoot mm-hmm. me, shoot me and asking the cops to, oh, to shoot fuck. and a cop eventually did, yeah. shot them. Uh, they weren't being totally menacing or threatening. They were holding a small a small knife, yeah. but there, there were better ways to handle the situation and uh, Scout suffered from mental illness. I don't remember uh, exactly what the diagnosis was, but yeah. um, God. before heading to college, and and it was probably something that was on record if they were currently yeah. uh, being seen by a doctor, and I don't know if they went off their medication or or what, but these kind of things uh, can can happen, and it can have very horrible consequences yeah. if you're not. Uh, if you don't understand how uh, how powerful and how terrible mental illness is, yeah. and it can make you do things like you know wanna you can do anything, yeah, wanna die or yeah. kill yourself, and uh, yeah, that was just very unfortunate. And having worked at Georgia Tech for for a while and knowing mm-hmm. the community there, like that's um, why there should really be like tough. like a more well known alternative to like. To calling the police when you're dealing with you know someone who's suicidal, like mm-hmm. yeah, you know, like obviously like everyone sort of crisis, like everyone knows nine one one, but like yeah, you know, what if someone's threatening to kill themselves? Like you know, don't call the police because like in that's almost never like a good yeah a good response like to something like that, but like or in other cases too, but like yeah, like some kind of therapist or yeah. like someone who's trained some to, sort of crisis to de-escalate or whatever. Yeah. yeah. De-escalation training is like essential. And I think that we need to either have an entirely different force of people who do that sort of thing, or we have to make a shift in like policing to focusing on conflict de-escalation and not just outright pulling out your gun when, when you're nervous. Also like, disarming is, the police. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah like, for sure. But that's never going to happen. Unfortunately. No. Um, one thing that like, I've had a hard time with is um, so I I used I was in a relationship with someone who suffered from depression and I don't think that I've ever suffered from that um, but I had a really hard time with being like an effective partner to her for that reason and I mm-hmm. think that and I've always been really I'm kind of guilty about that because I was like I don't think I really understood exactly what she was going through so the ways in which like depression and mental illness can affect relationships are That's a good aspect me. that uh, I'm glad you brought up because yeah. like, you know, especially among our community, like mm-hmm. you expect like the whole dating pool to have some kind of condition. So like mm-hmm. you just kind of make peace with that early All on. All my exes. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. like everybody and everybody yeah. you'll ever like, you know, encounter, you know, even in non-romantic contexts, like all mm-hmm. your friends have something. Yeah. And yeah, all your, all your partners, but like, yeah, you have to figure out, like, because, you know, we're all we have, especially if you don't have enough money to see a therapist. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you you have to figure out a way to be, you know, mutually supportive. And, you know, yeah. it's whether that's, like, you know, knowing when to step away or knowing when to, like, give someone a hug. or Yeah, like, that's what knowing- I couldn't figure out is, like, my instinct was to be even more, like, supportive and, like, physically, like, you know, like comforting and everything. And I wanted to be there, but I think that in hindsight, that probably was not the right thing. I think that might've been the opposite actually of what she needed. Um, but yeah, I just, I feel I've yeah, always Cause everyone's kind of, needs are different and you just have to yeah. figure it out. Like there's no, you know, there's no one way to be supportive. Yeah. One, yeah. one thing that I read, 
after dealing with a depressed ex was somebody saying that I, I want to be like, why do depressed people seem to push away the people who love and support them the most? I think that that mm-hmm. um, maybe not in all cases, but that's kind of a, a common thing that people experience. Mm-hmm. And um, the one um, personal piece that somebody wrote that that seemed to resonate with with what I experienced on the other end of it was that when you're depressed, you want to just be allowed to be your depressed self. You do. Like, without you just being like, judged. Yeah. You mm-hmm. just want to lie in bed all day. Yeah. You want to lie in bed. You want to watch TV. You don't want to have to deal with things. And then having, uh, these other people who are either trying to support you or get you out of it or, um, cause it's even so much effort to just to mm-hmm. respond to somebody who's yeah. talking to you. Like really? yeah. when you're, in, yeah. when you're going through a depressive episode. Even even if the other person isn't trying to to help, there's a lot too where you, um, you start feeling judged just because you're almost judging yourself mm-hmm. for for your behavior. So you're like, oh, you know, I know I shouldn't be doing this, and mm-hmm. now like if this other person sees me, they're gonna think like I'm I'm lazy, or they're not gonna understand it. And then you spiral, gonna, you spiral, you spiral yeah, deeper. Yeah, 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 yeah. You just kind of dig in, and it's like this. Um, deep well mm-hmm. <laughs> that you uh, have fallen into and it's it's really tough I mean my relationship ended so I don't, I don't yeah. have the answer yeah same of, I mean it's I mean it ended for different reasons but it was just like ultimately it was just something that I think I was really ill prepared to deal with and ill equipped and that was my fault obviously I could have like done research or I could have figured it out but I didn't and it's mm-hmm. I don't know mm-hmm. it just sucks yeah. My girlfriend has, she has been diagnosed with anxiety disorder and obviously I have ADHD. So we've found like interesting ways of complimenting each other that way. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm good at like talking her down from an anxiety attack and, you know, reminding her that like, Hey, you're not a piece of shit. Like Mm -hmm. like what that voice in your head tells you. And she, uh, you know, helps me put things away. Mm-hmm. And like, like, yeah. t- like this morning, she like uh, helped me clean out my fridge because like half of it was like a month old. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah, like, like actually, she was the one who like because because in general, you know, telling somebody with ADHD to just write things down is like telling a depressed person to smile. Like, yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's so shitty and unrealistic. But like, she was one who like had to physically sit down and help me like write out ideas for what to talk about for this podcast. And like, yeah. without her, I that never would have like been a thought that I could hold long enough to actually do. Yeah. 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 I I think part of it too, uh, is being aware of your, uh, you know, whatever your condition is and being able to communicate and, and it's hard, it's hard to know when it is, um, part of that or, or not. But like so, sometimes if, if I know, like, um, I, have occasional anxiety and then sometimes when I'm being snappy or something like that, I can recognize like, Oh, I'm just being really anxious right now. And I need to communicate this to my wife. Cause I don't want her to think it's her or it's anything she's doing or it's anything that she can do mm-hmm. to fix this. Yeah. So I'm just like, Hey, you know, I'm, I'm going through like an anxious phase right now and, uh, I'm going to deal with it. And she's like, okay, let me know like anything I can do to help. I'm like, okay, just, just know that this is where, where yeah, it's coming it's from you. It's, and communicating that yeah. because when it's uncommunicated, um, then the other person can, 
can think it's about them because mm-hmm. they, they don't know. And then they'll be like, oh, what am I doing? What did I do to piss this person off or make this person distant? Um, because, again, I know being on the other side of uh, – depression mm-hmm. uh i thought so much of, i was like oh I'm, I'm not a good enough partner i'm not being good enough i'm not doing this enough and one of my other exes after we broke up i don't know how long after was diagnosed with um borderline personality disorder mm-hmm. and had she known uh that that was her mm-hmm. diagnosis and understood what that meant and how that affected her during our relationship, it would have been a very different relationship. Mm-hmm. That's why, yeah, that's why access to <laughs> adequate mental health care is, like, is crucial. Because, mm-hmm. like, yeah. yeah, some people go their whole lives without knowing what, you know, what kind of condition they have mm-hmm. or, like, why they are the way they are. And, yeah. like, yeah, it fucks up your relationships. It fucks up, like, your ability to, like, to support yourself. And, like, you know, it's, like, that's why so many people who are homeless, like, have some kind of mental condition. Oh, yeah, like, of course. Yeah. Like, it's, uh, yeah, everything. Right like, now as far as that. beginning to address it with a professional, that's where I just draw a blank and I just refused. And then, then I just don't want to talk to anybody at all because I'm like, I know that I have this issue with my, you know, attention problems and, and other things, but I don't even know where to begin. Like, can you talk to, like, a general practitioner about that or... Like what do I do? Like, but but they're not, but they're not a psychologist. You know, like they're not. They can refer you. They they refer you. Yeah, I know. And then it's like a whole. And then I get, then I get like, well, I don't want to do that. Like I don't know. Like and then I just then I lose focus on. Yeah, and then it's like, (laughs) like, no, that's me right now. It's miserable. It sucks. I like a month ago, like was looking for in network uh, psychiatrist to like hopefully get Mm -hmm. put on something and. uh, and I was like, oh, nice. There's one, like, not very far from me. And then went right to the Wikipedia tab next to it and forgot yeah. about it until now. Like, Yeah, that's uh, kind of how I am with, with, like, figuring out exactly how to go about talking to someone about my attention issues and my my focus thing, which is just how I think of it. It's like, oh, it's my focus thing. I just mm-hmm. can't focus on a thing. Yeah, see, those are the instances where, like, sometimes you have to ask your partner, hey, can you sit down with me and help me do this? Mm-hmm. Like, and, yeah, like, if... If your partner doesn't also have ADHD, like, yeah, like, should be like more than willing to like to help you do that because it shouldn't take you like more than five minutes theoretically if you don't have ADHD to like make a phone call or make it like write an email. I can't, I I just for some reason can't complete that task. It's like that, which is it's just funny. It's like a chicken or the egg. It's like this is it's all this like cycle. It's like this is why I need to be on like Adderall or something, or maybe I guess Mm -hmm. the next time I acquire some, I'll just sit down and sort all this out but yeah that's that's what i'm gonna do when i get it from my person but do you feel like there's do you ever feel yourself like i i some i I went through a phase where i thought my focus thing was like an admission of weakness or like an admission of guilt for something like i felt like it made me a weak person to state out loud i have a really hard time sitting down and focusing on a task like because other people people who don't have issues with that will say like well just just do it like oh yeah no that's, be an adult that's, that's you know yeah. and it's it sucks and it's like no, you feel so inadequate yeah, yeah like, like i feel like i don't have it together or i when everyone's finished before you yeah and you spent the whole time like sitting still but like you know 
traveling around the world in your head. Yeah, like crafting <laughs> some elaborate s- scenario that didn't happen, but then almost convincing myself that it did like happen. Like rehearsing for future conversations. Yes. Oh my God. Or like reliving past arguments and Ooh. like, here's what I should have said. That's and then I go shit. on a whole thing and then I create a new argument in my head in which I would have the opportunity to say that thing. It's like, hi. I, I do this all the time. I embarrassed you in front of everybody in my head. Yeah. Like, like oh, you really. Now I feel better. You really got it in my story, in my <laughs> version of that story. I, I think what you were originally saying though it applies to any form of mental illness yeah. that people don't want to feel like they're they're weak or they're less than or have or this lazy. kind of that's, legacy, yeah. have no, a No, that's a huge thing. Like if you see somebody who's uh who's you know looking or like acting really scattered and like you know isn't getting shit done on time or like you know is has like a messy desk or whatever mm-hmm. like and you hear people calling them lazy like that's usually when you know you can safely guess that they probably have ADHD. Yeah, especially with women. Whenever I hear like, uh, like people talking about a woman and saying she's a mess, I'm like, well, that's me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that has been me. It's the Kathy comic. Yeah, it's totally. Kathy. It's just like I don't know. And then there's like this whole kind of funny like meme culture around like being adults and like adult failings and things like that. And sometimes, I mean, I do think it's funny, but then all of a sudden, I'm like, well, that's kind of like a symptom of. Mm-hmm. So anything like ADHD or even depression, and it's like, are we making fun of that? For the are we saying that that's like that that's funny, and then it's like a comedic tool, or is that something that that people should probably address? You know? Yeah, like it's yeah. I I feel like because whoever's making all these memes probably like has other shit to do and is yeah. like making all these memes. <laughs> like, yeah, but exactly. yeah, like oh. myself included. But like, yeah, it's. But, I, feel, I feel like it's for other people with those same conditions to, like, mm-hmm. commiserate with and be able to laugh themselves with. Yeah. Do you ever wonder, though, with, with some of these, if it's just because society has built itself around these set norms that don't actually apply to the uh, majority of humans? Yeah. yeah. But somebody said— Especially in a capitalist context. Because, yeah. like, it relies so much on your— You have to be You have to be productive. You have to be making money. You have to be— Yeah. Yeah. Like— You have to be all able. these things. Yeah. So in in a society, though, if there was a society that was built around people who were more ADD— And I know these discussions uh, have been had specifically around people on the spectrum and with autism. Mm-hmm. Um, it's only because our society doesn't uh, reward— yeah. that kind of behavior that it becomes more problematic. But in and of itself, you know, if you had uh, a whole company of, like, ADD people that were functioning in, like, an ADD world, I don't know, maybe yeah. it wouldn't be seen. Like, they would find a way to make it make it work. work. Yeah. Yeah, that's... And then it wouldn't be seen or it, it wouldn't seem as something. Because, it, I mean... Yeah. Anything that's making you feel this kind of like pain and stress and stops you from functioning the way you yeah. you want to to live your life and uh, that can be a problem and that's a reason why people turn to things like medication because they just want to be able to uh, function like everyone else but this like like everyone else right it, yeah it's an impossible was, standard is it, yeah it's really an impossible because I'm especially now that that I do comedy I'm like. I feel like I'm the only person I know who's not on antidepressants or anti-anxiety yeah. medication. Almost every single person that I do comedy with is on some type of 
medication. Because mm-hmm. it's a profession that lends itself to a lot of spontaneity. And, like, you don't have yeah. to be on top of your shit. Like, you can leave a bunch of emails unanswered, but still go to a thousand mics. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, and still make it somehow. But, yeah. like, yeah, like, you just find a way to make it work that way. But, yeah, in in a nine-to-five context, like, you'd get fired on day one. Like, yeah. Yeah, that's why it's, uh, yeah, that's why there's that. It draws a lot of we, people. We that's like so much. Like, like our, just our work culture in this country is just so all about like 40 hours a week is like the minimum that you're supposed to put into a job to be considered at least, mm-hmm. at least within the realm of like corporate America or, you know, I've, I've worked in that setting where I worked for a company that was like the culture that they created was one that did not at all reward, like it. It rewarded the people who basically surrendered their lives over to this company. Ugh. And, like, it was one of those yeah. big That's companies so with, like, a sprawling campus. And everything was there that you could possibly need. They had, like, a daycare oh, center there. They yeah. had a medical clinic. They Neo-feudalism. Had, like, it really, I mean, it was out that's of... That's what it is. No, that's yeah. what they're doing, yeah. like, in Silicon Valley. Like, I think oh, it was, like, Google or something. Of that. Yeah. Yeah, it was, yeah. like, you know, you can live on the Google campus. And there's, you know, a hospital, mm-hmm. a supermarket, et cetera, et cetera. But, yeah. like... Yeah, like because they want they want to control your life. Yeah, and showing up at eight in the morning and leaving like just after five was fine, but it was like people would look at you like, "Oh, that's all you're doing for today." It's like, yeah, that <laughs> yeah. is all I'm fucking doing because I don't yeah, live like, here. Like yeah. the people that like, you don't own me. Uh, yeah, like, and I wouldn't check my work email at home, and I wouldn't, I would not, like I would, I would get to work, and I would. The worst part of my day was sitting down and turning on my computer and opening my email and just watching that inbox just fill up. Like, oh, and the, the timestamp on some of these emails were were just general like work stuff, like work correspondence. But these people, the timestamp would be like four nineteen a.m. Yeah, like, they don't know when to people, stop. They don't like, know when to stop, and that's well, and I wonder if that's that, exclusively an American thing. Yes, no, it is an American thing. Um, I, there might be some other countries with it. Um, mm-hmm. I know, like Japan has a very insane work culture yeah. but they also have super high suicide rates uh, right. that that are kind of a, a product of that but in, in America and in this capitalist society so during during Obama we were having consistent job growth right mm-hmm. reduction in unemployment the economy was like steadily growing but then some fuck face with, with, <laughs> with the message that's like, this is a disaster. The country's terrible. You know, we should be growing like four times. As, says who? Right. But, but also like he's this, citing those Obama numbers. Like, right, right. Like, yeah. As stuff he is responsible as for. As stuff he's responsible for. And yeah. should be praised Like how for, much growth like, is necessary? Like why is yeah, it it's always... Like growth. It's always about growth. It, like it's, it's always enough, more, more, faster, like faster, harder, harder. Like the GDP break X trillion dollars. Like... Yeah. You know, I, yeah, I mean, the, this message of growth and how high, you know, it's like never too high, even though we've experienced it, that can be unsustainable and mm-hmm. it will And people are still starving in the street. It. Like, yeah. Yeah. you know, we've, we're reaching are, these new heights, but like people still can't afford to, to get sick or yeah. to be yeah. injured or, yeah. or, or to have proper medical coverage. Right. And then also, we're, so we're sacrificing our, our environment. Yeah. Yeah. For for job growth, we're just you know throwing that because everything. It, I wonder that, how much of that though contributes to like the feelings of inadequacy that come with not being able to perform tasks in the same way that these like machine like people that we all with, that we've all worked with before are able to do. Because it's like why why isn't it just good enough that like we do 
the job we were hired to do and why do we have to bring the work home and then why does work yeah. become like... It goes against that principle that uh, that uh, labor unions and labor activists, you know, you know, decades ago, uh, that principle of like eight hours for sleep, eight hours for work and eight yeah. hours for what you will. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's so... Which ideally it would be like 10 hours for sleep, 14 for what you will. Right. But like, you know, that's like, that's the goal that I strive for yeah. as a person who like, uh, you know, like... Who votes or, you know, mm-hmm. who, like, you know, who posts things that I agree with. Like, that's, yeah. I, that's, like, the ideal that I would love to, like, see come about. But, like, nah, like, you hear about people, like, working 36 hours straight. It's crazy. And not sleeping. I mean, that's, what, that's what's expected. And it's, like, am I, is that... I, I, there are people I had who have a, died from that. Yeah. yeah, from working so many consistent hours. And yeah. then they just yeah. die. And, and that's in white-collar jobs. Like, if people, oh, like, yeah. you yeah. know, who... You know, do way more physical labor, and they're di- they're they're being killed. Like at least in this country, like yeah. Oh, there was that uh, that invention that uh, was just released. Uh, it was like a an attachment for like baseball caps for truckers that would flash like a really strong strobe light to wake them up. Oh, that's terrifying. Yeah, like <laughs> oh, if they fell God. asleep. Yeah. yeah, it's like just fucking let them go to sleep. Right. Like, like adjust the schedule or, or I don't know. And I've, and I had to sort of consciously realize that the people that I was comparing myself to when I did work in corporate America were, you know, because I would feel bad, like, okay, am I not supposed to leave at five o'clock? What's the deal? Like why, why can I leave at six? Like what time can I leave that everyone will be okay with? And the people that I was comparing myself to were these people who were putting in, like showing up at seven o'clock, leaving at nine o'clock, emailing at four o'clock from home. And I'm like, that can't possibly be that. This, that can't be the standard. That's not no. what we're talking about here. And, like, that's, and those people, um, they, they kind of push that expectation on everyone else. They're oh, like, yeah. Oh, if I'm not going to have a work life balance and if I'm going to be miserable, mm-hmm. you all should be miserable too. And that's uh, a re- really shitty thing to push. I mean, I, I worked, uh, when I worked at Georgia tech, it was a, a state, job and Mm -hmm. there were a lot of people in my office who clocked out when the day was done and they didn't give that place a second thought and this one woman in my office who you know for a while she was single she didn't have any kids or or anything and she would work all sorts of hours and then bitch about all the other people i'm like they they have that's your choice lady that's your choice to to put in all this extra time and it's oh my god that's why it was such an extra slap in the face when 45's daughter tweeted uh, during pride month like it was that i forgot what it was verbatim but it was like a it was like happy pride month to all like lgbtq americans who like contribute to our our economy like we're still fucking dying we're still fucking killing ourselves like because like we you keep denying us all these resources right but also you only care about the ones who are contributing and not about you know which is like like you only have value if you which is fascist ideology economy yeah yeah Yeah, you're only you know only you're only only if you're cranking part of the the cog along in the machine are you valuable and it's that's a really like what about the people who are young like what about the teenagers like what about people who right yeah what about old people we don't we almost don't have a lot of elders because of people like you who like thought we weren't worth anything yeah Yeah. exactly oh man that's that was one of the biggest the whole like feeding into the work machine thing like obviously i we all do that in some way but i getting out of corporate America is, was such a big part of me like sort of valuing myself again, because I feel more, I feel more like pride and more sense of like responsibility and more, 
I don't know. I feel like more of a person now working in a restaurant than I did when I was sitting in a gray cubicle, like grinding away for Same. people who I never even. That makes sense. Yeah. My, yeah. my most yeah. satisfying jobs were customer service when yeah. I was just face to face with people and not in front of a screen all day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I feel so great mm-hmm. about what I do now. And it's yeah. like, I really don't think I'll ever return back to that like cubicle kind of thing again. There's just, there's no humanity tangible. in it. Yeah. It's more tangible to see how you're, you're helping people yeah. and you're actually doing something when you're not in these office jobs. Um, so a random question that I'm going to just Mm-hmm. gracefully segue us to uh, what's the best place to meet other lesbians in the wild? Oh man. In the wild. <laughs> well, for me it was at work, but oh, man. I don't know. Yeah, work in the service industry. That's a good start. In the wild. <laughs> uh, for me, I'm going to see Tegan and Sarah this week. Oh, and Tegan and Sarah concerts. You just wanted a way to bring that up, didn't you? Lesbians. <laughs> I did. I was trying That'll to think of a topic. I'm like, how did I work in? Uh, they're doing the the con ten year anniversary yeah, tour. Yeah. And I love that album. And I would say libraries. Sorry, I didn't oh. mean to interrupt you. <laughs> no, libraries is is yeah. a good one. I Which is it. oh man, I wish I got had, those bookish it, lesbians. I wish I had an opportunity to talk about this because like you know ADHD like going off on a tangent, <laughs> but like um, I guess one of the hardest parts of like being a queer person with ADHD and you know having your like sense of focus and attention like rotted away to the point where you can't read a book anymore Mm -hmm. is like making it difficult to interact with other queer people Mm -hmm. especially like ones who are oh man I call them book fuckers but like people (laughs) who like make reading their identity yeah the people who carry around like strand tote bags and you're like I just read this book this week like shut the fuck up like (laughs) we get it you can read a book yeah no it's like it gives me a complex because I used to be able to read like I, I used to read, read a lot and really enjoy mm-hmm. it, but like, you know, now I'm at a point where, like, if I read the words "long form article," I'm like, eh. I know yeah. I can't. I can't even Are get there through a New Yorker piece. At the end that I <laughs> glance at. No, that's like no. I think like that's uh, one of the hardest parts. Yeah. of being someone who's queer and then like having to go into these spaces where everyone talks about what book they just read and like, I'm, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I've never read Harry Potter. So like, I, I haven't know finished mean. a book in. Uh, I finished one book in the past uh, nine years. Yeah. Oh, wow. I used to read a yeah. lot, and yeah. it's, it's taken a pretty steep dive in the last two years. But I have, yeah. I have, but then I'll focus, I'll laser focus on like one book and read it over and over again. Like oh, I've read see, like, the Game of Thrones able to series books. three times, the Ooh. whole fucking series. Ooh. 1,500 pages of rape yeah. and incest. I know. <laughs> Actually, no. It's more than fifty. They're they're each about a thousand pages, and there's five. That's books. a heavy one. I've read to them three times. On. Yeah, yeah. I'm just like obsessed. Small text and like, Ugh, real. I wish thick. I could apply that sort of concentration to any other part uh, of my life. That'd be great. Yeah, but no. Like that's why. Like I'm I'm all for like LGBTQ mm-hmm. meetups that like that don't involve like something book clubs that takes a while shit, to like, get into. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like or hiking because like not everyone's built for that. <laughs> No, Myself I'm not. Included. Yeah. <laughs> also, comedy is a good place. Yeah. 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 yeah definitely. Like, let's all go to this show and, like, you know, have something to eat mm-hmm. afterwards. That's something that a lot of people can appreciate. Yeah. Speaking of comedy shows uh, or comedy, do, do you want to plug your social media or any upcoming uh, shows? Yeah. My yourself? social media, follow me at Banal Cavity. <laughs> I um, love that. No space in between, um, despite the name. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but no, I'm like actually kind of coming out of a comedy hiatus because that's the other thing about ADHD you get a lot of really bad rejection sensitive dysphoria mm-hmm. which uh, if you don't know what it is it's basically that you take rejection a lot 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 harder because 
uh, you consider yourself to be like <laughs> deeply unloved because of whatever rejection you face. Mm-hmm. And I think like I, I like bombed three times in a row and like oh, I should stop doing this for like Gotta forever. Keep going. But no, I was hosting like a mic QED like for the like the first six months of this year, and then like. Uh, wasn't able to do it anymore, mm-hmm. but I think now I'm like starting to get into things cool. right now. So I don't have anything lined up, but yeah, that's where I am right now. Right yeah, on. I'm just doing things on Twitter. Great, cool. And you can follow us at Diking Out on uh, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Email us dikingout at gmail dot com, and uh, follow me on Twitter at TGI Carolyn. And follow me on Twitter when I get back on it in December at the Sarah York. But for now, I'm taking a much needed social media hiatus. Very, very jealous of that. It's awesome. Yeah. You're hyper, hyper focusing on your life. I'm hyper focusing on nothing. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. On that note, thank you everyone for diking out with us today, this week, and we forever. hope you'll tune mm-hmm. in forever. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. And sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot button issues. And it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.